All right, so I'd invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalm 42, Psalm 42, and we're uh, continuing our summer psalm series. The psalms are always a great benefit to us whenever we read them and study them. Last time we shared how the psalms not only encourage us to pray, they also teach us how to pray. How many of you know there are some times when you, you don't feel like praying? You wake up some days and uh, maybe it's the circumstances you're facing, maybe it's just the hardships of life and you don't always feel like praying. And when you get into the Psalms, they encourage us to pray. But, but there are also times when you don't know what to pray. You don't know what to pray in those difficult seasons, those hard seasons. And, and the Psalms provide us the content to shape and guide our prayer lives. And, and I pray they are as much of an encouragement to you as they are to me. You know, last time we were together, we were in Psalm 27. And we had the opportunity to talk about how to pray through seasons of uncertainty. Uh, We're reminded that when we're in the season of waiting and God doesn't change our circumstances, we're invited to change our perspective, change our priorities, and change the content of our prayer lives that it would be guided by Scripture and the will of God. Today, in Psalm 42, we're going to talk about how to pray through seasons or times when we're feeling discouraged. Seasons or times when we're feeling depressed or in a state of being despondent. Maybe you find yourself emotionally distressed and uh, Psalm 42 provides us not just the words to say but an encouragement to pray in those times when we feel like we've hit rock bottom. Those times when um, tr- you feel like you're drowning in your troubles and it's just one wave after another and when you think that you can just get out to get a next breath, there comes another wave. How do you pray through seasons of discouragement, seasons when you feel depressed? You know, when you, if you were to come into my office and you were to share with me, you're, you're pretty discouraged. And you may share with me that you may even feel a bit depressed. Because I'm a pastor and not a psychologist, I, I wouldn't grab my DSM-5 off of my shelf. I wouldn't open it up and try to go ahead and, and diagnose you with uh, clinical depression. But what I would do is I'd grab my Bible. And I turn to Psalm 27, like this one here, and I take some time to read it with you, and I pray with you about it. Then I'd send you home, and I encourage you to go read it and to pray about it, and to allow that psalm to not just inform your prayers, but to encourage your prayers. And when you don't feel like you know that you can pray, that that psalm would be the words that God allows you to cry out to Him in those times of desperation, those times of despair and those times of great need. And so how are we invited to pray in those seasons when we feel discouraged or when we feel depressed? Psalm 42 reads this way. To the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons, the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. 
for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Miser. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because the, uh, the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him to help the help of my countenance and my God. You know, Psalm 42 is a beautiful psalm. We just sang the words of it, but the psalm, it invites us to pray through seasons when we feel discouraged, seasons when we feel depressed, and it it guides and directs our prayers. It informs our prayer life. I'd like to suggest that one of the ways we can process our emotions, especially in times of great emotional distress when we feel discouraged or or in the place of despair is, is through prayer. Prayer is a great way to to process the the emotions and the struggle that we're going through as we cry out to the Lord, as the psalmist does here, as he laments. A a lament is a a passionate expression of sadness and sorrow as as you cry out to the Lord and pour yourself out in light of how you feel, looking to the Lord who is your rock, looking to the Lord who is your provider. So how are we invited to pray In times when we feel discouraged, as we're going to see in the first five verses, by praying to the one who can meet us in our time of need, by praying to the one who can satisfy us and refresh us in our time of need. Now, before I walk through those first five verses and talk about how God does just that, I want to make a note about the heading. It says, to the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah, And a lot of the psalms are written by David. And so a lot of times when we take a look at the psalms, we think, okay, a lot of them have to do with David. But this one tells us it's written by the sons of Korah. And you'll learn in 2 Chronicles 20.19 that the sons of Korah were Levites who were priests. Their ministry was that of music. And so they were temple musicians. And so what what they have done here is they've written this psalm which is which is a lament, which is crying out to the Lord in, in, in a place of discouragement and despair and, and perhaps feeling depressed. And, and we get to see it submitted to the chief musician. In other words, we're not just invited to pray through seasons of depression, we're invited to worship and praise through them as well. You know, I've said it before, one of the most beautiful expressions of worship is in those times of discouragement and despair. And the reason for that is those are the times we're most desperate for God. Those are the times when we're on our face before the Lord crying out for him because he, we know that, that when we come to the end of our resources, he's the one who is our provider of all things. And so it's a beautiful thing when you come to the end of yourself and start relying on the power of God. We're not just invited to pray through seasons when we feel discouraged and even depressed. We are invited to worship. 
And so how are we invited to pray through those times we're invited to pray to a God who meets our every need? First, he refreshes our souls. Psalm 42 begins, as the deer pants for the water, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. The psalmist pictures himself as a deer who's parched. A deer who finds himself in a desert, perhaps in a drought. And this deer not only needs water in order to be refreshed, it needs water in order to survive. You see, it's desperate for water. If it doesn't get, get to the source of water, until it gets to the water brook, this deer could pass out and be no more. And so this deer is panting. And the psalmist declares, as the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul, so, so my soul yearns and longs and desperately desires to be in your presence, to be refreshed by the streams that you provide that will refresh my soul. And so this psalmist who feels discouraged, this psalmist who feels depressed, this psalmist it feels like the deer who longs for the presence of God. This is a psalmist who's in a, drought of discouragement, a, a desert of depression. You ever been there? You ever been so overwhelmed by the hardships and the difficulties of life, the uncertainties of life, where you feel so beaten down that you know it's a drought and it's discouraging? Jeremiah chapter 14 talks about what it's like to be in a drought and the trouble that is there and so I want to take you there for just a moment to really capture what it means to be in a drought of depression John or Jeremiah 14 1 says this the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah concerning the droughts Judah mourns and her gates languish they mourn for the land and the cry of Jerusalem has gone up their, nor their nobles have sent their lads for water they went to the cisterns and found no water and you go to the place where these man-made receptacles collect water and there's nothing. They returned with their vessels empty. They were ashamed and confounded and covered their heads because the ground is parched. For there was no rain in the land. The plowmen were ashamed. They covered their heads. Yes, the deer also gave birth in the field, but left because there was no grass. I mean, there's nothing there. And the wild donkeys stood in the desolate heights. They sniffed at the wind like jackals. Their eyes failed because there was no grass. Listen, it's a drought of discouragement, and it's a desert of depression. And it's a state of feeling hopeless because you've looked all these different places, you've searched all these different solutions, and you've come out empty, but the only solution to your problem is the one who can provide what you need in the time of need, which is to quench your thirst, which is to refresh your soul, which is to provide everything you need in the time of need. I'd mentioned earlier, if you were to come to my office and I were to take you to Psalm 27 and then I were to send you home, that would be your prescription. I would say, come back in a couple days or come back in a week and, and tell me how's, how it's going. We'll continue to pray for you and talk through this. I would remind you before you left that the solution to your discouragement or, or, or how, to, how to navigate this season of depression or discouragement is not necessarily Psalm 42, but it's the one Psalm 42, 42 points to. When you read the word of God, not only are you to be encouraged by it, but it should draw you into the presence of the one who will refresh and satisfy the deepest longing of your soul. 
in times of discouragement, in times of droughts of depression, and in the desert of depression, cry out to a God who is able to refresh your soul. As the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you. And also, cry out to a God who is, who is also able to quench your thirst, as it's described in the next verse. It says in verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He's so desperate. He's so discouraged. He, he's so depressed. He says, I long to be in your presence and my soul thirsts for you. And guess who quenches his thirst? It's the Lord. And he's longing to be in his presence. He's at a distance from the temple where he is with the people of God. And, and yet he says, my soul thirsts for whom the living God. What we're reminded about God is not only is he, is he living, he is life-giving. We are invited to long for, yearn for, desire the presence of the Lord, to be with him, to experience the benefits that, be, that come when we are in a, a relationship with him as a result of, of trusting in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. There's nothing like being in a right standing before a holy God being made right through our faith in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. In that time of need, in that time of discouragement, in that drought of depression, He is there and He is available to quench your thirst and to satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. He will give you a peace that transcends all understanding why because he's living i'm not here to present to you a dead christ i'm here to present you a living christ when we pray we pray to a god who hears our prayers when we cry out and call out in the midst of our discouragement and in our despair we believe god is able to intervene and answer in accordance with his will in accordance with his word he is a great and awesome god he is living because he's living, I think of texts like Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You're not waiting on nothing. You're waiting on the living God. And in the midst of that season of waiting, he strengthens you. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Second Chronicles 16, 9 is such an encouraging text. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He's looking out all throughout the earth, for those who are his, to those who are desperately in need of him, to those who are in a drought of discouragement and those in a desert of depression, and he's there to provide strength on your behalf so that you'll mount up on wings like eagles, so that you'll run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Jesus said it best in John chapter 4, verse 10. You remember Jesus went to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He came there first, if you remember, because Jesus is the kind of God who seeks those who don't seek him. He comes to the well there, and he's waiting for her, and she comes to draw water at an interesting time of day, and he says, would you go ahead and draw me some water? And she says, why are you a Jew asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water? And he says to her, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me, for the water. Let me read that. John 14, 4.10 says, Jesus answered and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 13, 
Jesus answered and said to whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is able to quench your thirst. But he's able to quench it in such a way that you'll never thirst again. Jesus, if you'll follow him, if you'll leave behind your own desires, take up your cross and follow after him, he'll give you the gift of everlasting life and you'll never thirst again. Your sins will be forgiven and you'll have life eternal. This is an awesome living God. And so he's the one who quenches our thirst. If, if you're discouraged and, and you're parched and you're in a drought and, and you're in a desert of discouragement, despair, and depression, he'll quench your thirst He's faithful. He's done it in the past and he'll do it again. Not only does he quench our thirst, but he, he cares for our souls. It says, my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? I want you to know the psalmist is very honest. He's honest about the state of emotional distress that he finds himself in, the reason why he's discouraged and depressed, the reason why he longs for the Lord and to have his thirst quenched in his presence, it's because his tears has been a food day and night. What we're talking about here is this, this guy hasn't eaten and this guy hasn't slept. Why? His diet is tears. He can't eat. Just so overwhelmed, so discouraged, so in a place of despair, so despondent that he can't even eat a meal and he can't even rest at night because he cries all night long. That's a place of discouragement. That's a place of depression. It goes on to say the reason why it says that there are those who, uh, who say to him, who taunt him, where is your God? God is the one who cares for us and sees us in our time of need. Let me take you to Psalm 56, verse 8. It says, You number my wanderings and put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You know what that tells us about the God we worship and serve? He's so gracious and compassionate. You think he doesn't see your tears? You think you're... He's abandoned you. You think that he doesn't see you in your time. He's busy doing other things. The text tells us in this psalm that he collects our tears in a bottle. That your sorrow that is expressed in tears is, he cares for it so much that he collects it in a bottle. In other words, it's a metaphor to say how much he loves you and cares for you. And that your tears are seen by the living God. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful even when other people don't see the discouragement and the despair and the depression that you're feeling? God does, and he's able to meet your need in your time of need. He cares for your soul. Matthew 5, 4 said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In times when we mourn, in times when we grieve, in times when our hearts are full of sorrow, in times of a crisis, in times of a tragedy, we have a God who cares for us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted with what? His presence. He's a living God. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as with a contrite Spirit. Do you have a broken heart? 
The Lord is near you. You're not far from him. He's right there. Even when it doesn't feel like it, even when you're so discouraged and overwhelmed and you feel perhaps as the psalmist is going to cry out, where is, well, he's going to say in regards to the taunts, God, have you forgotten me? No, the Lord has been there the whole time and we go back to his word again and again. There is a struggle going on here. I don't know if you, you see it. And it will become more and more evident as we walk through it. There is this sense of of feeling perhaps abandoned sometimes. Feeling discouraged and and so depressed that that, that you wonder, God, where are you at in all this? I don't even understand myself. He's going to cry out to his soul. Why why are you cast down inside of me? He doesn't even understand himself. But he's got a God who cares for him and cares for you. Not only does God care for the psalmist, he cares for you in your time of need and he meets those needs. Cry out to a God who cares for you, who quenches your thirst, who refreshes your soul and who comforts you. We continue to read verse four. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. What that's saying is just cry out to God. Just cry out to God. We sometimes will bottle in our emotions. We'll press them down, not express them. As we said earlier, one of the ways that we can process the emotional distress we may feel, some of the ways that we can process the, the, the difficulties that we're facing is through prayer. And as you pour yourself out in sorrow and sadness, God is right there as you cry out to him and lament as this, as this passionate expression of sorrow and sadness before a God who loves you, cares for you, and comforts you in your time of need, who sees your tears and collects them in a bottle and is able to provide for you everything you need. He goes on to say, for I used to go with the multitude. He calls to mind better days. He's in this dark place. He's discouraged. He's depressed. But he he says, I remember when I used to go with the multitude and I went with them to the house of God. He's recalling those pilgrim journeys when he used to celebrate Pentecost and and Passover and when you would make your way over to the temple of the Lord to worship God, reminding yourself of the past faithfulness of God and trusting in the Lord's faithfulness for you in the future. He remembers those celebrations and he thinks back to them and then he recalls Um, with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. God comforts us. Comforts us with the reminder of what it's like to be in his presence and to find find everything we need in him. It brings him back to these days. Deuteronomy 31, 8 through 9 says, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. That's Moses right there. Joshua 1, 9 through 10. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't it great to know that God is our comforter? In Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God cares for us. God comforts us. But as you saw in the text, God is our joy. Is it possible to be joyful when you feel discouraged and you feel depressed? Well, this psalm is suggesting you can. Because joy is not necessarily dependent upon how you feel. 
Joy is a result of you making a decision to place your hope and your trust not in how you feel, but in the God of the Bible. And to experience fullness of joy is an act of obedience to say, Lord, in the face of how I'm feeling and in the face of how what I'm thinking, I'm going to trust that you are near me even though sometimes I feel as if you're far from me. Lord, you're my rock even though sometimes I feel like you have forgotten me. In the desert of depression, in the, in, in, in the dark place of discouragement, I'm going to trust you because you're faithful. God is our joy. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God is our joy. In Psalm 63, it says, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. He's making a decision that regardless of of how desolate the land may be, no matter how bad it may look in terms of a drought, he thirsts for the presence of God and he chooses to praise God in the face of the trouble. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with a marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. And you don't feel like getting out of bed on a Sunday morning. Some of the best decision that you can make, even though you feel discouraged and depressed, is to go to the house of the Lord, to be with the people of God. We're reminded the church is not the building. It's the gathering of the saints of God as we come together to give praise and glory and honor that is due his name. And there's something about entering into the presence of God's people in worship that can really begin to change how you feel and continue to press you forward in encouragement. God is our joy. God is our hope. We're reminded of the the one we pray to who provides us hope and intervenes. Verse five, why are you cast down, my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? The psalmist is talking to himself. You see that, any? Does anyone talk to themselves around here? Maybe you don't want to admit it. Sometimes people see you walking around the house talking to yourself. The psalmist, in this place of sorrow and despair and and depression, he cries out. He says, why are you cast down, my soul? Have you ever not understood how you're feeling? Just overwhelmed by what you're facing? And and you don't understand your own feelings, your own emotions. Looking at himself, crying, why are you cast down, my soul? Part of the reason he's asking that is not just to understand himself, but but to say, God is my hope. I know what the word says. I know that God has not forsaken me. I know God is near me. Why are you disquieted within me? Why are you troubled? And then he starts preaching to himself. We need to preach to ourselves sometimes. Don't be ashamed. People say, what in the world is going on? Pouring out your soul in sorrow and sadness and then preaching to yourself, you better hope in the Lord. Place your trust in God. He is your rock and your salvation, a present help in time of need. What a beautiful thing when a psalm like Psalm 23, which maybe you've memorized for years becomes more relevant in a desperate time of need and you say it because you need it 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't need anything. He's everything I need. He leads me. He guides me. He provides for me. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear anything because he is with me and I can trust him. He's going to see me through. That's always a beautiful moment when certain scriptures that you've called to mind for years become more of a reality and more relevant and practical than you ever imagined. Or when you have an opportunity to encourage someone else who's in the desert of despair or finds themselves in in a drought of discouragement, then you call to mind the truth of the word of God that will remind them, place your hope in God. He says, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Why does he say, for I shall yet praise him? Because he's expecting God to intervene. This is another helpful reminder when you're in that desert and that drought of discouragement and despair that when you cry out to the Lord, to the living God, who is able to quench your thirst, step out in faith and say, God, you are able and in your time, I am going to see you come through for me on my behalf. You're gonna bring me through the dark valley to the other side. And in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, we're going to get to the greener pastures. But the reason I can trust you is because of your word. The reason I can trust you is because the evidence of your faithfulness throughout my life. The reason I can trust you is because I'm reminded of your faithfulness as I hear the testimonies of your people declare the goodness of my God. And so it, it goes on to say, hope in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. In other words, he is going to intervene. So if you ever find yourself feeling discouraged or even downright depressed, cry out to a God who is living. Cry out to a God who will refresh your soul. Cry out to a God who will satisfy your thirst. Cry out to a God who cares for you, who comforts you, who is faithful and the one that you can place your hope in. He will intervene. So as we consider that, if, if I could just give us a few different ways that we can apply that. The first is this. Um, when you find yourself discouraged or in a place of despair, admit your need for God during droughts of discouragement or depression. Uh, um, as we get to see the, the psalmist as he cried out to the Lord, these, these were the reasons why he was discouraged. These were the reasons he was depressed. In verses one to two, he's isolated from the temple. He was away from the people of God where he had the opportunity to worship. Verse three, he was taunted by his enemies. They're saying, where's your God at? It's not that they don't believe that there is a God. They've just said, your God has abandoned you. He doesn't intervene on your behalf and they're taunting him. In verse four, he's reminded of those better days when he used to go to worship the Lord. In verse seven, as we're gonna see in a moment, he's overwhelmed by the trials of life as deep cries out to deep and one wave of trouble after another comes over him. In verse nine, he's waiting on the Lord who hasn't yet intervened, but he's placing his hope in him nonetheless. And he's in a season of waiting, but God is faithful and he's going to work it out in accordance with his timing. And so I wanna open up for discussion. How have you learned to cope as a Christian uh, in times when you felt discouraged or depressed? How have you learned to cope? What does that look like for you? And, and I pray that if you 
you would be willing to share, it would be encouragement to others as well in regards to what that looks like practically to cope in times of discouragement and despair. Yeah, so make the word of God accessible as possible. Put it on your roof. Have it more accessible on your phone, whatever you need to do. If you can't get out of bed, go back to the word. Yeah.
yeah, yeah. So I'm hearing a lot, just the Lord, what he's teaching you in those seasons and those, uh, those hardships. And God's right there, and he'll see you through to the end, and he gives you that hope, always an encouragement. So admit your need for God during droughts of discouragement. What's causing that, and, and uh, how can you trust him through it? Secondly, prioritize prayer during droughts of discouragement. I always like to say, um, if you rub a bottle the wrong way, like a Coca-Cola can, you shake it up, and you pop it open, you know, it explodes. Uh, people are kind of like the same thing, you know. If, if you rub a person the wrong way, they explode, and sometimes you, you wonder, where'd that come from? Or you explode, and you say, where'd that come from? Because sometimes we just bottle in those emotions. And as I was saying earlier, prayer is a great way to process those emotions in times of hardship and distress. And so I wanted to ask this, uh, what do we long for or turn to other than the Lord in times of emotional distress? We don't always turn to the Lord in prayer. We don't always go where we need to. What are those things we go to other than the Lord when we need to turn to Him? Music, sure. Well, so I'm, I'm hearing a positive thing. You see, you're, the, the Lord's speaking to you through the, the, the music. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else do we turn to? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Starting your day right goes a long ways, certainly. Yeah, so um, prioritize prayer during those droughts of discouragement. As, as I already said, preach to yourself in times of discouragement and depression. I wanted to quote uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones here. He says this, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself. Preach to yourself. Question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, unbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. What, what a wonderful description of just wrestling with your emotions, your feelings, and coming out on the other side saying, I'm going to place my hope in God. Not going to trust in how I feel. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, if I could jump off of that, Steve. Sometimes we don't, we don't, we don't want to go into the presence of the Lord, but sometimes it's because of sin in our life that we don't want to go into God's presence, and then the consequences of sin happen, and then we go through this cycle of isolation saying, well, I don't know if God will forgive me. You have the enemy whispering things in your ear, and it's always a reminder in that time of when you were convicted of your sin, God is always there. You always have an opportunity to confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In the face of sin, repent. Have a broken heart over your sin and turn back to Christ. Deal with your sin at the cross and experience the hope and the salvation that comes in his name. And what a blessed 
reminder that is as well. So uh, in times when we're discouraged, in times when we feel depressed, in times when there is a drought and a desert of despair, we're invited to cry out to a God who's able to meet our every need, who's able to meet us in the exact way we need him to refresh us, to comfort us, to quench our thirst. But secondly, uh, we're invited to pray to a God who is available and faithful. Pray to a God who's available and faithful. I pray that in this psalm, you're seeing that it's all about him. It's all about the Lord. It's off of your circumstances and on to the glory of God. It's a reminder of his nature. It's a reminder of his divine attributes and his character that you would be reminded who your God is, gracious and compassionate, available and faithful. This is the God we worship and serve, a living God. The text goes on to say in verse six, as he cries out in this prayer, he cries out, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Is it okay to be honest with God? Is it okay to cry out to the Lord and pour out your sorrow and your sadness? Is it okay to say, Lord, I feel as if I'm distant from you? I wonder if you've forgotten me, if you see me in the face of what I'm dealing with? The psalmist seemed to be quite honest with the Lord. They don't end there. They let the Lord know how they feel. God, if I can remind you, is omniscient. And he knows everything. He knows your prayers before you make them. But the the psalmist, as they pray these psalms, they're so honest with the Lord. Uh, My God, uh, my soul is cast down within me. I'm in this desert of discouragement and despair. And then he goes on to say, therefore, I'm going to remember you. Isn't that nice? You can be honest with God, but then you can go back to the truth of the fact that he's wherever you need him to be. He's always there. Therefore, I will, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Miser. Where does the psalmist want to be? He wants to be in Jerusalem. He wants to be at the temple. He wants to join the multitudes once again on those pilgrim walks to celebrate the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles and, and all the different feasts during the year. And, and he's, he's away from the Lord, but he remembers God in his despair. In those times of discouragement and despair, may your mind go back to the Lord. May you recall his character and his nature, that he is available and that he is faithful, that he is the living God who provides for your every need and my every need. Therefore, I will remember you. And then in verse seven, the landscape shifts from a desert to a storm. The the drought of despair and the desert of depression is now described as a Uh, waves of trouble one after the other. Deep calls out to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. He's once again expressing the extent of his discouragement and despair. He's expressing how despondent he feels and how depressed he feels. He's, He's talking about it in the sense where he's drowning in his troubles. One wave after the other is is coming over him. Uh, Last week I went out to the coast and Somebody recommended to me that I should uh, take out my, uh, my paddle board and you can actually catch waves out there. So once I got in the water and I couldn't feel anything anymore because it was so cold, I was getting my board all situated out there. But if your board's not straight as you're going out and paddling out, 
you get taken by those waves. And you try to get back up again, another wave comes and another wave comes. These waves weren't huge, you know. It's not like the, the big old surfing waves that you see. But man, it's just one wave after the other. And I, I was thinking about it. I mean, in terms of the trouble he feels, these are not just small waves. These are huge waves. And as he's trying to go about his life in the face of, of the trouble that he feels just one after the other, he hears the, the wave after wave coming over him. He's drowning in it. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Verse 8, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Look, look how we're going back and forth. Take a look at the honesty of the psalmist and then his hope and trust in the Lord. And he recalls the Lord who will command his loving kindness. You know what that word in the Greek, I mean the Hebrew is there? It's the word hesed. Speaks of God's loyal love. It speaks of the unconditional love of God. And that's the loyal love that he shows us. And, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Uh, let me remind you, in verse 8 it says, His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. Do you remember earlier? He couldn't eat or sleep. He's crying all day and all night, but now the Lord, he remembers, provides him his loving kindness all day and provides him all that he needs all night. A song is within him and he starts to worship the Lord in the face of the trouble. One wave after the other crashing over him, yet he's trusting in the Lord. A prayer to the God of my life. What a wonderful reminder, God is always there. Even when you feel as if he's left you or forgotten you or, has, or you're isolated from him, he's always there. Verse 9, I will say to the God of my rock. And once again, verse 9 just sums up the, the, the struggle of the psalmist and the struggle we feel sometimes in those, in those times of discouragement. I will say to God my rock. So who is God? His rock. His refuge, his present help in time of need, the one he, he hides behind in order to be protected either from waves or enemies and the taunts thereof. But then he says, I will say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me? And so it's so painful. It's so painful to hear the taunts of his enemies who say, where is your God? But he says, this is the rock that I turn to while they say to me all day long, where is your God? But then in verse 11, brings it all back and it's a reminder the Lord is available and the Lord is faithful. And he says this as he goes to talk to himself again. Why are you cast down, my soul? My prayer is that in those times of discouragement and despair and depression, you can look in and say, why are you discouraged? Why are you depressed? Why are you cast down? Why are you so full of sorrow and sadness? And then preach to yourself, why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. What's the takeaway of our psalm today? The, the takeaway is hope in God. You're discouraged? Hope in God. You're in a place of despair? Hope in God. You find yourself facing one wave after the other coming upon you and you, once you finally get to get some breath, another trouble comes your way, hope in God. He is your hope. He's the one that you can trust. For I shall yet praise him. When you pray, do you pray with 
a sense of expectation that your God will intervene and come through. He may not answer your prayer on your timetable. He may not answer your prayer as you want him to, but he'll answer your prayer nonetheless. He is a living God, and we know if we belong to him as a good father who loves us, he's going to give us what's best for us. He's going to give us what brings him glory and what is for our good. All things work for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So pray to a God who is available and faithful. If I could give us some takeaways here. The first one is, is be honest with God. And I want to open it up for discussion again. Why do you think it's so hard for us sometimes to be honest? What keeps us from being honest with God in our prayers? And why does, if I could take it a step further, why does the fear of being honest with God keep us from praying at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes we're not honest with ourselves. Sometimes we're, yeah, we're in a place of denial, you know. I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. Yeah. Yeah, Harold. Yeah. Yeah, so... Sometimes we deserve to be down and be there. And pride makes us there. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. So pride could get in, the, get in the way of just pouring ourselves out to the Lord and saying, God, I need you. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we want to hold on a little bit. Say, God, I, I got this. I want to hold on to this. I'll give you that, but this, that one's mine. and That could be hard. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to surrender all. Surrender some, that can be easier. Surrender all, which God wants, that can be hard. Anything else keeps us from just being honest with God? Yeah. Just yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see the big picture. Um, you think of a book like Job or you th even Ruth, we were in there a, a, a few weeks back and uh, they certainly never saw the big picture even to the end of their life. And we see somebody like Ruth years later, um, one day in heaven, she's going to see that uh, from her seed came the Messiah uh, or from the seed of Boaz came the Messiah. What an awesome thing that is. And we don't always see the big picture. So, um, uh, 
Pray to a God who is available and faithful by being honest with God. Uh, I mentioned this. Talk to yourself, but listen to God. It's okay to talk to yourself and my soul, why are you downcast within me? You can talk to yourself, but listen to God. I'm gonna place my hope in him. His loving kindness is always available. His mercies are always there. Um, his intervention is, is always to be expected because that is the God we worship and serve. He's not a dead God, he's a living God. Place your hope in him, remind yourself of his word. And thirdly, if I could just add this, surround yourself with, with godly influences. Make sure you surround yourself with folks who, who know you. One of, the, one, of the, one of the things when it comes to discouragement and times of despair is knowing yourself. I think we talked about that a little bit. And we need to know those times when we are going to isolate ourselves. When we're not going to show up. We need to know ourselves and we need to have some source of accountability and say, if you haven't seen me in the last couple weeks because you know exactly what I'm going through, I may not share this with everybody. I want you to reach out to me. I want you to pray for me. I, I want you to hold me accountable. And we need those right influences. Um, when you're in a, a, a dark place, when you find yourself discouraged or even depressed, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. You don't have that sense of motivation. You don't have that sense of purpose. And sometimes you need the people of God or a, a trusted accountability partner who's going to say, we're going to get up and we're going to read the word. <laughs> we're going to get up and we're going to pray and we're going to get through this together. And you need people who are going to come around you to do that. Um, and so let me finish it up with this as we close. How can we be a source of encouragement to those who may find themselves feeling discouraged and depressed? We live in a culture where the rise of depression and discouragement is becoming more and more prevalent in our culture and seeping into our churches as well. How do you, how do you minister to those in that time of discouragement and maybe even feeling depressed? Yeah, so just being a listening ear, being available, being present, um, making yourself available, yeah. yeah. And other ways you can minister to those in that season, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Vicky was saying, you need somebody to tell you straight to your face, shape up, you know, get going, get moving, move in the right direction. You need somebody who can point you to different resources. Um, Vicky was mentioning Jody Erickson Tata and just how she suffers well. I think that's a good description of her and, and uh, uh, serves the Lord in the face of all of her physical challenges uh, that she's faced all her life. Yeah. Yeah, Harold. Yeah, yeah, standing on the promises of God and going back to all of the promises of Scripture and just encouraging folks in the Word in that way.
Yeah, anything else? Other ways you can, yeah, Jennifer. Well, I get the sense of everybody's different and in terms of what you need in times when you are in that state of, dis- of feeling discouraged or even depressed, you need somebody who can uh, speak to you in a way that you are going to get out of it as God provides those unique relationships for you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so having the right balance and knowing one another. I think it, if you're going to encourage somebody, especially in a, in a place of despair or discouragement, you need someone to know you and the, the way that you navigate those challenges. And um, that's why those relationships are, are so special when you have the proper accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm hearing a testimony and, you know, you're saying I've been there. And this psalm is such an encouragement to me. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Let me close on this note. Edward Motes him. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness... Veils his lovely face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, and blood support me in the whelming flood. When every earthly prop gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Can we pray? Father, in times when we feel as if we're on shaky ground, 
we're reminded that you are our solid rock. In times when we're in a drought of discouragement or a desert of depression, we declare that you are the living God who is more than capable of quenching our thirst and meeting our need. Father, as a deer pants for the water, so our soul pants for you. And so, Lord, we cry out to you and we look to you, even in a moment like this, regardless of what we're dealing with in our own lives or what we will face in the future. And we're reminded that you are our hope and you are our stay. We pray, Lord, that the reminder of your goodness and your love, your hesed, your loyal love would would, would, would be something we call to memory as often as possible and that we would be encouraged in all things to, 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 to walk with you, lean into you, especially in those times when we need it the most, Father. We're grateful for our time together this evening. We pray that you'd bless us as we head out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.